0: everyone welcome to the skeptically inclined science podcast we're on episode 47 Uh, i'm your host evan and i'm tom hello and yeah thanks for uh tuning in for today's episode um on today's episode tom what are you going to cover for us um my childhood trauma (laughs) (laughs) no i will talk do you want to go
1: into more detail or i will talk about dyslexia and uh how it is understood and little bit about the prevalence and, and maybe uh, some um, uh, genetic underprints as well. Right. Um, yeah, because
0: I think it's a, um, I think it was last week was the dyslexia awareness week or something like that. So I think it's a suitable timing. It was obviously n- totally planned that way. Yeah,
1: obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered it. I celebrated it. That's why year.
0: you wanted to promote it. Even though we're a bit late, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Evan. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me about that.
0: Yeah. yeah no yeah. worries. Uh, and then today I'm just going to cover some news headlines. There's been a lot since the last time we came, since the last time we recorded. So, some again, our favorite topic psilocybin in depression, um, a delay, a drugs to delay onset of type 1 diabetes, and then um, some other bits and pieces, funny stories I, as well. Yeah. So, like, before we get into my news headlines, mm-hmm. how are you? It's been a while since we were recording. Yeah, but not much has changed, or has much changed. Well,
1: I run a race. Yeah, I heard. Yes, <laughs> I finished it. Top ten percent, together with my uh, work friend. Uh, Top ten no. percent. Wow. Yeah. you Top ten well, percent. It was.
0: Yeah. It, uh, well, not to not to diminish but it was 7k. 7 kilometers. <laughs> just in case people not, were like, oh, "It's a man- marathon." He's not running not, marathons, just yet.
1: <laughs> not to diminish it. Okay, well, thank you for that. Yes, it was 7k. But, you know, it's a, it's a, you have to work in uh, your way, you have to work your way up to the higher distances like. Yeah, know? yeah, so yeah. Oh no, like, I it, it was very impressive your time and to get as fast as you did. Yeah. You've seen my calves. Um, yeah so next one's gonna be 10 yeah next one is gonna be 10 and then 15 and we're probably gonna finish at half marathon because we both decided that it's super boring to run the marathon and nobody wants to run for that long yeah so we'll see how far um how far we we get uh we get along what was it um uh
0: i was because i was reading about um like i'm only a 5k which is less and i think i was reading because they were like the sign up for the Dublin marathon was on and mm-hmm. i was like tips about if you wanted to sign up for it and they were like realistically you need to be running t- 10k now if you want to be running a, a marathon ne- this next this time next year yeah so i yeah. was like okay well that's not gonna happen because i was still like oh i'll put my name in and see i'm sure i could get get there by then but I don't think so. But you,
1: you can like run run then you can walk for a little bit and you can start running again. Yeah. So re- probably going to take like 6 hours but you still <laughs> we be, a- be able to finish it. Yeah. God, 6 hours. I know, right? It's it's long. I think what you should do is uh, sign up for the Via D'Axia and come to Naimayhan and we can do the I matches. think that could be harder though cuz at least that's
0: over 4 days at least with the yeah, it's like get it 6 hours but you're done like yeah, but yeah. that's how men
1: are forged <laughs> and men and women. That's how we are forged. Like walking. Yes, I think, yes, Just I walking. think yeah, your whole, your whole war perspective changes after <laughs> you finish that.
0: I like, I really do think so. Yeah, is it like a point of your life before and after the fear dogs? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <that> was definitely, <laughs> yeah. I was
1: weak before <laughs> and after <laughs> I'm strong. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, definitely. I think, I think we should do it. I okay. think it would be fun. <laughs> Right, yeah. Well, we'll whenever
0: we'll think whenever it. the si- sign up is, let me know. <laughs> in January, it's in January.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well Okay. That's uh, that's deal now. I know
0: the other thing I wanted to mention before. Um, actually, have a question because before I get into my, the news stories, mm-hmm. the science news stories, um, because you're like big into Rome and ancient Rome and that kind of area. Is that that's like yeah, one of your big fair. interests? That's
1: fair to say. Yeah. I
0: heard a question. Um, or a theory yeah. uh, about the ancient Romans and why they they did so well because they reckon <clears throat> all the <laughs> water pipes were lead coated and all the <laughs> other like wine things were lead and lead, mm-hmm. um, coated and they said they reckon that because of the lead it made the Romans more aggressive and that way that's why they were so successful what do you think is that is that could be true or
1: I that's the first time I'm hearing that you've never heard of that I've (laughs) never heard about uh lead driven aggression because they said they said that
0: lead actually decreases your IQ um it's shown because they used to have lead in your in the petrol or fuel Mm -hmm. and they they once got rid of it they seen that um it helped with IQ levels but so that causes Um, like mental retardation well, no, I I think yeah. Well, uh, that's the scientific term, I suppose. <laughs> but so I would imagine, but they th- they said like they, they the Romans still were successful, so it wasn't like they were getting
1: stupider. Yeah, exactly. So I think the ancient people had a completely different relationship with violence, the way we portray it right now. Right, it was more casual and less front upon. I think. Yeah, to like speed up some randomer yeah. and. Uh, I think the entity that was whether the the kingdom of rome or the republic or the empire is so complicated and intrinsic with its politics and stuff like that that just blaming everything on (laughs) drinking from lead pipes it's a little bit of a simplification but Nevertheless, it could be a uh, it could could have been a factor. I I haven't heard about it, okay. so I don't know. You can look into know.
0: look into it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can look into it. Okay, well, thanks for that. Yeah, you can uh, be thinking about that at night before you go to sleep. <laughs> I, I've heard I've heard about the uh, um the Viking berserkers, and that was that could have been induced by eating um, hallucinogenic mushrooms. Oh, that they enter, okay. Enter the trance of, but that's again like slap. Fact slash legend slash myth kind of a hypothesis, oh, yeah. it's but not proof. Yeah, but I I don't I never heard them like oh let's get wasted on lead wine and go to the war. I haven't <laughs> heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. it, it is crazy to think that we use lead for so
0: long, <laughs> and now it was really it's really bad for us. Um
1: Okay. What's so. the what's the what's the other thing that the <clears throat> Uh, I think Queen Elizabeth was using it. I, I think it was uh, arsenic to make her skin like oh, white. super white. Oh, Okay, and yeah. That's not that's not the health. I think it was arsenic. Uh,
0: but but that's not it, it is funny how like you certain certain the way things ha- t- happened in history. It's not just because of uh, the way it could be influences that we beyond that the person's control that caused it Mm -hmm. um it's it's interesting how these things can play out i suppose in history yeah definitely but uh back to the current stuff yeah back to the current stuff so um so the first news headline um i wanted i seen that was really interesting i know we've talked about this numerous times about uh hallucinogenics as you mentioned and mushrooms and their use in depression so they actually have found that psilocybin has reduced symptoms in treatment resistant depression a new trial has showed so they showed a single 25 mg dose of psilocybin which is as we know the active ingredient in magic mushrooms has a significant effect on reducing symptoms of depression in people who have so far not benefited from treatment so it was only in these patients that have never who had to have no response to any treatment so far mm-hmm. so they investigated the effects of single dose of 25 mg, 10 mg or 1 mg of psilocybin over 12 weeks and 233 patients with treatment resistant depression they were given the treatment in specialised rooms designed to provide a non-clinical and calming atmosphere where a specially trained therapist was available to provide psychological support so Again if you're listening to this and you're depressed I don't say to, to take mushrooms And you'll be better Like It, it needs to be in a controlled environment for sure Um, So the psychedel- Psychedelic effects of the Psilocybin lasted as long as 8 hours mm-hmm. And once these passed The participants were able to return Home and they showed that Participants reported a rapid And greater reduction of this It's a depression rating scale Okay, 3 weeks after taking A 25 mg dose compared to those who took the one meg dose. So um And this is just one off? It was a it was a one off. So it was a double blinded clinical trial and um yeah they show that the the mean changes in this depression mm-hmm. score from baseline to week three were minus twelve with the twenty five MGs, minus seven point nine mm-hmm. with the ten meg, and minus five point four with the one meg. So it was like almost double um, yeah, so the difference between the twenty-five megs and the one mgs was six point six, so it was quite significant.
1: So you know d- it was
0: only fe- it was only si- significant with the twenty-five meg dose. There was no significant change, or what they would classify a significant change when it was less than that. um and so it needs to be a strong dose. Do
1: you know where it was done? Was it, it was in done States?
0: in. Uh, it was conducted across twenty-two sites, so in Europe and okay. North America. Okay. Okay. Um, and so yeah, 12 weeks, the positive fi- effects then, they showed that they had worn off, and there was no longer a statistically significant dif- difference, so it suggested so that you nearly need to do multiple sessions rather than just one. So after 12, you said 12 weeks, it wore off? Um, yeah, the, after 12 weeks, the positive effects seemed to have worn off, because there's only was one session. And it's based on the survey, is it? Yeah, well, this rating, depression rating scale. Yeah. However, I know this can be controversial. Obviously, they thought this was useful to somehow n- measure this statistically or have an idea of what it, what the effects were. Um, I wonder I wonder what's the risk of dependency <laughs> then? Uh, oh, on, on psilocybin. I, isn't it yeah. like it's not really addictive, though, isn't
1: that it? It's not a... Yeah, yeah but now I'm thinking like you are responsible for curating your your own mood versus you you become accustomed to relying on a on the chemicals to to get you through i don't know i think because i i wonder i wonder if is this psilocybin, is that used as a kind of a, a crotch to get you through and then you can just start <clears throat> working your way out of depression uh, and i think that's how it is healthy? or whether this is in the form of like a like a treatment, like, you know, when you have a headache you take a paracetamol. When when you mm. start getting into depression you take you take a dose of psilocybin. Because that's because then you, you can psychologically you can then switch and think like every time I'm getting into that dark area, all I just have to do is get high on psilocybin. Whereas think whereas versus, you know, just taking it as a yeah, as a crutch to get you out of it and but then mostly working on your mostly working by yourself well not mm. by yourself but like trying to work it out yeah um, i i would. don't know like uh, but you know uh, what i'm trying to say i d-
0: no, i do i do what you mean yeah. like um is it something that people just have to reach to all the time like it's not yeah. really solving the issue but i think the psilocybin gives your brain more flexibility to like deal with these problems and maybe you can open up and be you can discuss this more easily with your psycho psychotherapist or your therapist Mm. i think that would make it seems like it so i do think it would mean you can deal with the issues and move on more okay but well at I the same time like a- antidepressants people are on them for their life nearly sometimes so yeah well it doesn't mean that it it's good right no like obviously you don't want uh, people on no. mushrooms for the rest of their life
1: to deal with like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you want to they're gonna live their life like Jeremy from the peep show. <laughs> yeah. Super hands. Yeah, when you actually told me about that they had like the room prepared for the patients who were receiving the treatment. Oh yeah. I immediately thought about this episode when they locked themselves in Mark's apartment and they created like this this room for doing shrooms. Oh yeah, yeah. And is that the one where he has the laptop, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> but it's hopefully not like that.
0: Yes, hopefully not. Okay. Um. Yeah, and that it, it was just like suicidal ideation and intentional self injury was observed in all dose groups, but they said that that was a common finding in treatment resistant depression studies. So even with this, um, they still had a significant difference in their uh, depression rating scale. So it's it lists, this is very hard to get rid of mm-hmm. in this type of patients. And as well, like, 84% of participants who took 25 migs, they experience either headache, nausea, dizziness, and fatigue, which kind of makes sense when you're taking such a high dose. Um, and now they're trying to conduct a phase 3 program to confirm and form the basis for market approval. So, yeah. who knows? Um, well, if it works, it works, right? If it works, it works. I'm just wondering, like, would people like, when they get depressed, or feel anyway sad, they're like, I need to get um some mushrooms. But, like, is that a bad thing
1: either? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Like if it <laughs> like if it doesn't cause harm, yeah, and doesn't have bad, you know, socio-economical consequences. Yeah. Like shooting heroin for example, you know, is it really that bad yeah. if someone wants to get better? Well, if they can legalize, <coughs> we can't even legalize
0: weed in this country, so well, I think it just takes time. <sighs> it takes time, yeah. Yeah, that's um, how it. Um yeah, so then the next story I thought was quite interesting, so I brought I want to go I'll do a call back mm-hmm. to the episode where you mentioned how you mentioned the animals you think you could beat up or of defeat. Course. Yes, uh, infamous as it is now. Um so I wanted wanted to ask about yes. um, A new challenger <laughs> okay. how, how do you think Maybe this would be kind of awkward Because you'd have to be in, in water the sea So an octopus
1: No way I'm <laughs> winning against octopus This is just no chance <laughs> maybe, You can't If, if, if it was off land Yeah definitely I will beat that up But <laughs> but you can't fight an octopus Like and wh- what kind of octopus It's a called um the gloomy it's called the gloomy octopus that's actually their name no i just Uh, i just (coughs) think i wouldn't be able to it's just eight Mm. arms against two two it's just Mm, okay and i will still have to use my legs to kind of like float and navigate in the (laughs) water it's just look it's too high you take octopus out of the water i win you put tom into the water octopus wins but yeah oh yeah and like what, what do you call the
0: plural of an octopus (laughs) Octopusai, <laughs> octopusai. octopus <laughs> i do not know. What do yeah, you that's call actually, it? Actually, technically, you can call it either octopuses or okay. octopi.
1: <laughs> I was close enough. Yeah, I, I know. Think. In fairness, you were. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, it's just the way you were saying um, it. F- for a second, I thought it was, um, you know, the way like Octo-i. one ship, two ship. Or one fish, two fish. I thought it was gonna oh, be like one okay, octopus, right. two, two octopuses. octopuses. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna just call them
0: octopuses. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> whatever, whatever flows your boat. Yeah, but yeah. I, so why I brought this up was like um, I was just curious because you would now have to take into consideration, as well as the them floating or swimming or whatever they yeah. do, that they can actually throw things at you. So, uh, what you heard the story? Did you? I saw the footage, like. Oh, you saw the footage, yeah. So the octopuses are actually known for their solitary nature, so they actually are usually on their own. But Mm -hmm. at at the Pacific Bay in Australia, this gloomy octopus, they actually live in very high densities with each other. And to study their interactions, the researchers filmed them underwater. And in more than 20 hours of footage, one behaviour stood out. The eight-limbed creatures gathering shells, silt or algae with their arms, then hurling the objects away... (laughs) (laughs) some of the time it seemed that the octopuses were throwing away debris or leftovers but it did appear that they were throwing things at each other like infant infant was a juvenile youngster juvenile teenagers Um, the team found clues that the octopuses were deliberately targeting one another throws that were made contact with another octopus were relatively strong and often occurred as the thrower displayed a uniform dark or medium body colour and sometimes the octopus is on the receiving end, ducked. So like even with your punches, Tom, you, you might they might be able to duck and weave. Who knows? Duck and like, weave.
1: <laughs> pull back, left, right, left, right. <sighs> Get the octopus in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this is like a display of play, or is it? This, mm. Or is it like a aggression? Or like what mood it is? What is mode is octopus in when it when it's shot tro- Because <laughs> if it's play, it's quite interesting, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but if, you don't really uh, see. I don't know if there is any like dogs, maybe
0: domesticated animals. I don't think any in the wild. Maybe gorillas, yeah, primates. like the,
1: the primates. Yeah, but like, I think just this is ingen- whether it. What what is it? Yeah, it's just a display of aggression or some sort of ter- mm. territorial thing, or is it just a bunch of octopus having fun playing Harlan? what they
0: actually actually they said here they think the throws might help the animals to cope with the bay's high population and density so maybe it's a way of like get away this it is really my sense. this is my area yeah. so I think it is the latter the former that it's it's a
1: way of aggression rather than play um, maybe, yeah well it's, yeah well it is it is what it is I suppose it makes sense because you don't want to uh, like to put too much strain on the food source, right? If you yeah. have too, too many of them in one. It's,
0: it's interesting though. Like, why this breed of octopus decided to live together? I suppose obviously evolve that they work together.
1: Um, there must have been some advan- advantage to it. Mm, yeah, it, it's interesting the op- though. Yeah, yeah. The, but the cephalo cef- cephalopods, they they are like smart, smart. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm you can, not... there's so many
0: a, cases of them escaping. Mm-hmm. Tanks and Plain tanks.
1: yeah, yeah. It's not. It's, it's interesting. Like throwing. Tr- you don't really see that in the animal kingdom that much. That they no. can like physically pick something up and 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 throw at each other. Yeah, like well,
0: like when it doesn't have technically ha- arms. Well, it has yeah. arms, but like not hands. So no, no. Um. Yeah, it's cool. Cool story. Anyways, I think I thought yeah, it's cool. Cool. Um. Then the other one was i think this was publicized as well about sperm rates and how they are now falling so Mm -hmm. we are becoming less manly as every alpha influencer wants to tell you um <laughs> average sperm concentrations have more than halved over the past 45 years a paper in Human Reproduction Update has reported falling from 101.2 million sperm per mill of semen in 1973 to around 49 million per mill so significant drop uh which oh. was this is in 2018
1: Okay so I I saw um I've heard of this and yeah. I saw I saw this Um, Not a rebuttal, but counter-argument to that. Okay. I don't know if you've heard it, but... Okay, well, maybe let me just... You can tell me. I'll go through the rest of it. So,
0: the paper's authors warned that their findings could be seen as a canary in a coal mine because if the decline continues, it could threaten mankind's survival. Their meta-analysis showed that the downturn in sperm production is not only long-standing, but also accelerating. So, while sperm concentrations fell by an average of 1.16% a year from... 1972 to 2000 since the millennium it seems like the concentration have been falling by 2.64 percent a year since since then and the the exact reasons aren't known but i think it could be due to pollution plastic smoking drugs medicines and chemicals uh as well as lifestyle traits such as obesity poor diet and lack of exercise which have all been mooted as contributing factors so why what did what was your um
1: so it's a wild one Okay. I'm not gonna tell you whether I agree or don't agree. I just wanna hear what you what you think first. Okay. Well, actually, sorry, actually, go on. Sorry. Go ahead. Are you sure? Are you sure I can speak? <laughs> Do I have the permission? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Um, so I heard someone, I think, saying something about this issue that back in the day, just men <laughs> were not so happy to masturbate a lot, and that's oh, why in, this, in the 70s, and that's why the well. It was more, uh, con- um, what's the word, not uh, <laughs> conservative people maybe populations, and now men are more happy to masturbate and I think yeah. they I think they must be taking into account that and that's why the the count is lower, because like yeah you just mm. I don't know I I think, I think this they is why and and I, I, I think they I must be able like to adjust it. it. You would think they would think about that. When I first heard it, I was like, it just made me it's laugh. It's per mill as well. Like it doesn't. It does because
0: you're retaining your sperm. Doesn't yeah, automatically I don't agree with it like as well. there could be you could have more of it in there, but they're doing it per mill, so they're adjusting for that. So that doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I don't agree with that as well. But I just I just heard it somewhere on YouTube, and I thought it was <laughs> okay, hilarious.
0: Uh, uh, obviously on YouTube, um, <laughs> they're saying that maybe the counting of sperm has also improved, so this could have had an impact. Um, and I seen someone else saying I was watching on it, uh, on YouTube as well how they're like oh because. Young teenagers and men are playing games more, and he was like, "How does game playing games have an impact on your sperm count?" And he's like, I, "Yeah, I don't know." <laughs> so he's like, "Why are you even saying that?" <laughs> yeah, it's um, like everything comes back to like gaming. It's like <laughs> I think the sperm. microplastic.
1: I think the microplastic, <laughs> microplastic, could, yeah, and like an cause smoking
0: has dropped, so that's that, true. So that shouldn't be an issue. Um, maybe chemicals. I think, I think lifestyle as well. A li- lifestyle, I think, as well. I think diet.
1: Is yeah, playing. diet and the lifestyle seems to be a huge contributor, right? Uh, yeah. It's just... Yeah. Uh, That's why I run a lot. So my Yeah, exactly.
0: I- well, no. it Actually, I'd say it does help. <coughs> honest to God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what's the solution to that, So Evan? they said the decline is so serious, however, it's a significant public health concern and research is needed on the causes to enable appropriate interventions. So... Yeah, like, if we don't really correct this, it could be leading to serious uh, long-term effects of... This is an American-based study, is it? No, it was a meta-analysis, so they looked at all all these studies done uh, all over the world. Um, Mm. It may not seem important as, yeah, we've reached 8 billion there since the last episode, and having grown by 1 billion in 11 years, the union... The UN predicts that it will not reach 9 billion until 2037, with growth slowing by then. Um, And they're still saying that growth is expected to grow and start to decline until around 2087. So um, I suppose people could argue, oh, it's a good thing, but if we start to decline again, is it ever going to come back up again?
1: It's funny that you mentioned this in a time that I was really spending a lot of time thinking about my offspring and whether I should get one. And uh, Yes. Your own think- your own you're passing your name on, your lineage. Well, it was more that I have someone to take care of me when I'm old and okay. senile. So <laughs> I uh, I actually made up my mind and I'm I'm gonna have at least two. You're gonna have at least two. Yeah. Which yeah. what gender? doesn't matter as long as you take care of me. <laughs> I just need someone to take care of me when I'm old. <laughs> right. That's, that's Again, it. you know, it's not for the joy of it. It's just like, well, I will oh, love them and I will raise them and <laughs> I all, will definitely but, love them. But just please take care of me. Um, so maybe it's time to freeze some samples. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, You're lucky know. you're a man, yeah. so
0: you don't have to worry as much. Um but yeah, yeah they but say it's not and but the other thing they wanted to say is like it's not all men that um women as well, like if they're having fewer ch- children and the fertility rate is dropping, so it is a combination. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's something that will have se- serious economic implications for countries when their fertility rate is so low because they won't have the population to replace. We're already seeing that now, like, so, like in
1: Qatar when they had to bring loads of yeah uh, it could be it could be in other countries
0: that could be in other countries now in the in western europe and america so yeah it's it's uh who knows who knows what's going gonna-
1: it- to it's like a dark cloud gathering on the horizon, but it's not mm, quite the sure is isn't. Wait it? what isn't it seems like
0: everything's a dark cloud, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. Um just okay. to learn to live with it. Okay, so that was all my my news, headlines and stories. Um, Thank you. Good summary. I tried to for the last month. Um so yeah, if you wanted to go into your your story uh, then. Your yeah. Um, yeah, tell us about dyslexia. dyslexia.
1: Why is it important to you? <laughs> okay, so the reason I actually thought about dyslexia in the first place, it was because I saw this paper in Nature Genetics, um, discovery of 42 genome wide significant loci associated with dyslexia. And it was, uh, it was actually published on the 20th of October. So roughly a month ago, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting subject. And uh, yeah, for though, like I was diagnosed with dyslexia twice, so it's double confirmed. Probably confirmed, uh, just yeah. in case, because <laughs> was, you, they were doubted the first time, was it? Yeah, I just came out too smart. <laughs> <And> <laughs> they were like, you're too smart for a guy. Like, we need to check you again. Um, yeah, at the time it was an expensive test to get done, but it was, I suppose, I don't know it was necessary, but my parents wanted to have it done. But anyway, I will open with the my personal account on how okay. it is like to live with dyslexia. Yeah, actually, I'm kind of interested to hear. S- so when I was in the primary school... Uh, I was what you can call a good student. I wasn't like top tier top five, but I was I, w- I was there. Good grades, good behavior all around a good student. The only thing that was bringing me down was spelling and inability to apply grammar interpunction rules uh, when I was writing my essays. So my, my teachers couldn't understand why uh, and when they asked me definitions and rules, I could tell them exactly, uh, the what definitions and the rules, how they are, where they should be applied. Like, I could conjugate the words on the paper when I was being asked. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I just couldn't... My brain just ignores those when it comes to, like, writing essays and little stories and, and stuff like that. Like, it's just... It just I can't just have no control of it. Yeah, them. it just can't seem to make sense of exactly. how to do it. Exactly. So my essays and short stories will always come back uh, full of red ink. And my parents would be called into the school to discuss, like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. So why, why does he know the definitions, but he's not applying them? So does he does it on purpose? Is he lazy? Uh, mm. Or did he just, like, memorize the rules, the grammar rules, without properly understanding them? So that's why he's making these mistakes. And, you know, this affected my grades yeah, uh, yeah. to some degree, like and the self-esteem. Com- yeah, your confidence, definitely. Yeah, and you're confidence. like, what's wrong with me? It was, yeah, it was really weird. And because, because of it, I had, uh, because it is hard to know inside your head, but everything in your environment tells you that you know nothing. So that's like, really weird, because inside my head, I was like, I know this, like, I, I know, I know, I know how to be a good student, I should be a good student. But like, everything outside of your head tells you that, like, you're dumb. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can't Society. do these things. Yeah, it's I. That's the society. So, it,
0: it, so it's just like in your head, if you were you know for yourself. Yeah, it's you're fine. You know, yeah. you
1: know it. It's just like writing, putting a pen to paper. Yeah, I don't see the difference between B and D. Right. Uh, I don't see a difference between F and W. Right. Uh, Is that uh, specifically them letters? Yeah, for me, it's them letters. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's crazy. Then. So when I write in in Polish, we have like different special characters that we use in our alphabet. And some of these characters, they sound the same, although you write them differently and you have to follow certain rules when to use different characters. And like, I know those rules, but when I write down again, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference to me. And it's so annoying because then you, and even when you read it back, you don't always catch them because yeah. you just omit these things in your head, your brain for some just skips this. Yeah, and it's uh-huh. really annoying. And I had this math is problematic for me as well. Uh, pronunciation of some words is problematic as well. Okay. So it's like, it's all apparently <laughs> stem from the dyslexia thing. So one day, uh, one of the teachers suggested that I should be tested for dyslexia. Like, I yeah, yeah. He, I think she was She was one of the younger generation of the Is this in Ireland or Poland? That's still still in Poland. Okay. And together with my mom, we went to the psychologist and uh, I undertook different types of tests, uh, of which we will talk about later. And then I got my results and I was, or like still am dyslexic, dyslexic. And, you know, and then I was diagnosed once again uh, when I moved to Ireland because, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were skeptical of the Polish. Yeah, the Polish papers, like <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, 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 fraudulent. Um,
0: but so yeah, like th- so you just you there's something you have to live with. that You can't really, you can't yeah. cure. I suppose no. like that's your it's a brain. So the like.
1: only cure for it, uh, which I will talk later about, is just hard work and yeah, support. Yeah. And my mom my parents, my mom did tremendous work with me trying to make sure that I'd be able to cope with everything at school. Yeah, yeah. So, it, like she sat with me for every homework assignment every day, wow. since the day I was diagnosed, like, and we practiced focusing before I, I did any work. So even today, I have to like, I have to spend like three to five minutes just to kind calm my head down of any thoughts before I can do some high intensity task. Right. Like even when I type my thesis right now, I need to like quiet myself down before I because otherwise it just doesn't work. But like when is I, it, what what what's going on in your head at that moment? Is it just like it's just super s- easy to distract. Like anything. Oh okay. So I really have to build up this momentum of like being quote unquote in the zone. Right. And then I can and then can I can start being productive because you know like some people can just sit down and do the job and that's grand. And like, if I do that, it could be literally a shadow on the wall and I'd be like, that's it. The shadow is <laughs> the most important thing in my life right now and I, I can only watch it this right God. now. So, so she, she will, she'd also like diligently checked my work for spelling mistakes before I submit anything for work, um, you know, the essay after essay. And it helped me because, you know, now I am where I am, I'm yeah. writing my PhD thesis. So. You know, but these scars are still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I don't like it. Thanks for talking
0: about. It. Like, I never really realized how I I do take it for granted because you you are like it's not obvious at all because you have to obviously you've tried you've done a lot to like improve yeah. and I wouldn't say hide it but like
1: yeah um, yeah, yeah so I was yeah, just gonna ask it. you Evan like in your own words what do you think of dyslexia Have you ever known someone? I've already known maybe one other
0: person. Okay, and I do think it's 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 um I I still think there is not a full under like I know as I mentioned there was a dyslexia awareness a week, but I think yeah. like a lot of people don't still think I think they still think laziness. Oh, they're not. They're dumb. They don't want to put the work in. I think these, uh, like. Stigma is still associated with it, and I think it is because it's so. It's such an easy one to hide, like, um, and it's an easy one to. For hard one, I mean hard one for people to understand. I think because it is when your brain is completely different, it's hard for you to fathom it. So, um, I, I, and I I think people would easily forget that you have dyslexia. It's a different. It's a difficult disease, so they just attribute that you're just not willing to put the work in or you're lazy or and etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah. um i think there has been a lot of work done for awareness um but i still think there is a lot more needed to be done for for people to be like me more tolerable i think there is more now because yeah like people with dyslexia mm. i'm sure they their employers are aware they need to get they're given more time to get stuff
1: done yeah um I don't know. What, what do you think? So I'm not. I'm not trying to say like dyslexia is the most severe condition anyone can ever get, yeah. and it's the end of the. W-. It's not. It's not really. But I think it's mostly about yeah, just being understandable about it and giving everyone um, the same opportunity to start with. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, this these people like the dyslectic people, like my people are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we. Know, it's not that we dumb. It's just. Yeah, what I've learned to think, I've think t- now I think about it that just my brain is wired differently, and it, mm. I just need a different sort of support to get uh, to these places where like you know normal brains can.
0: But like, have you faced like um, how how have you found it? Uh, h- like, what was the worst case scenarios that you like getting?
1: So I was called a retard.
0: Okay. I was
1: in, that was in class by one of my friends that was still in Poland. When, when, you, were, when you were told them you were dyslexic? Y- no, see, because, yeah, when, so the class knew I was dyslexic. dyslexic and when you are diagnosed, uh, you are kind of, they don't dock you marks on your essays when you do spelling mistakes anymore. Okay. Because it's just, it's seen as in, you're not doing it on purpose, or you're not doing it because, yeah, it's just, it's a limitation of my brain yeah and then so basically so out of out of out suddenly my grades kind of start getting a little bit better in terms of these essays and short stories and then there were the other lads who were just lazy um and they just were not you know that creatively gifted as i was they <laughs> couldn't create those beautiful essays and they were exactly. just getting lower grades uh even though like my my essay could have more red ink in it than theirs did and they Every time they saw my grade and they compared to their grade, they were just calling me a retard and that I have it easy and oh, stuff like okay. that. You know? Wow, that's crazy. And then when I moved to Ireland, uh, like learning the new language was like yeah, one of the yeah. most horrible things for me ever. But yeah, one exactly. time the teacher asked me to read in class and I just I just couldn't hack it. Like the words, I just couldn't get them out out of me. Yeah. And uh, one of the lads Like it is a little bit funny now that I think of it, but like one of the lads from the top of from the front row of the class, he shouted like, uh, "Get this man a dictionary or something like that," and I just stopped. Like in the moment, I just turned so red, I was so embarrassed. But now that I think of it, that's a hilarious thing to say. (laughs) It's funny you can laugh back now, Alex. Yeah, but at the moment I was like, and that put. I've never, ever again read aloud in class since yeah. that, since that yeah. moment. So, yeah. it's and, and, and the other thing is as well, I do think you have to work twice as
0: hard to like, well, to well, learn things. T- look, but usually not, you, ha- well,
1: what do you think? I think it's, most of it is uh, your innate motivation and discipline to do things. And uh, if you have a passion for something and you want to strive in it, you will do it, either way and if you really like it you're not gonna see that someone is doing it in 10 minutes and you have to spend 20 minutes on it Mm. Uh, but i'm more like if you're like studying for like before
0: whereas it's like some things would take a lot easier for some people you would be harder for you and it's like
1: i think it's just because you get tired reading because like even today like sometimes i have to go two or three times over the same page to kind of get an understanding of what's going on with the letters and stuff yeah. like that not as often anymore but like it does um especially if you reading like read like very specific and word heavy books that yeah. like trying to get into like complicated topics it just sometimes everything can get like mongled up uh yeah. confused in your head so you just have to but re- well, that's re-read for again. everyone anyways <laughs> yeah so well, maybe yeah maybe it's not even dyslexia maybe it's just yeah Well, thanks for telling us, telling us your experience. Uh, So that's it about dyslexia. See you next week. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) So um, the most widely used definition of dyslexia is consensus definition developed from the partnership between the International Dyslexia Association, the National Center for Learning Disabilities, and the National Institute for Child Health and Human Development. And the definition goes as follows. It is a specific learning disability that is neurobiological in origin. It is characterized by difficulties with accurate or fluent word recognition and by poor spelling and decoding abilities. These difficulties typically result from a deficit in phonological component of language that is often unexpected in relation to other cognitive abilities and that the provision of effective classroom instruction. Secondary consequences may include problem with reading comprehension, and reduced reading experience that can impede growth of vocabulary and background knowledge. So as it was being said there, it's a neurobiological in in origin, but I tend to think now that dyslexia is also very multifactorial when you have a genetic factors, uh, as well as environmental factors. factors. Mm -hmm. And today we will touch a little bit upon the genetic and environmental factors. But like can I ask is it mm-hmm. or maybe you want to cover it is do you usually inherit there is par- a it, there is inheritance component to it but it's not your parent you don't you don't if your parents it's not it doesn't mean that your ha- one of your
0: parents has to have it to get it you have a higher chance of having it yourself if you if you have a parent with dyslexia yeah, yeah, yeah. but but it, it's not the most common it's like more like 40
1: to 60 uh 40 to 60 percent inheritance or 40 to 80 percent inheritance of dyslexia depending on kind of different sources that you look okay. at it but there is a so trend it's nearly 50 50 you could say that 50
0: years inherited 50 is just yeah dead. i would still
1: lead i would still lean towards the way that if 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 there is a family history you prob you you have a higher chance of getting yeah, it as they're well the more yeah. likely to
0: yeah. be the ones suffering they, from it
1: there is dyslexia in my family anyway so okay. i'm kind of kind of fits the pattern so i'm leaning towards that way uh but there is no relationship between person's level of intelligence individual effort, uh, effort of social economic position and the presence of dyslexia so in that way it's kind of nice that yeah, not like the, s- equal opportunities <laughs> equal, yeah you can be born with the is it silver spoon yeah or, yeah yeah but you still can uh, have dyslexia or you can be born in somewhere in you know in the shanty town and, and yeah, still yeah, have dyslexia yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't discriminate. That's, it doesn't this, see color. Dyslexia
0: doesn't discriminate. I'm not. Going well, to maybe that. it does. Is it? Is there more likely?
1: Is it in certain community, certain races, no, or no? Not from what I have. Found. Okay. No. No. Uh, the cognitive difficulties that cause dyslexia and different learning disorders can also affect other aspects of verbal learning, including arithmetic. So, hence, you know, like uh, difficulty with with maths and stuff. And it's kind of. The same, like you understand the rules of of math um, and stuff, but when it comes to it, like you just, yeah, you just don't know how yeah, to do yeah. it. It's really weird. It's hard to explain how it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but there are also there are categories of dyslexia. So you have the uh, there are four of them. You have developmental dyslexia. It refers to a dyslexia which is genetic and pre and or present at the birth. And developmental dyslexia includes both primary and secondary ones. This type of dyslexia is more common in boys and typically diminishes as the child matures. So I think Mm. I was one of those developmental dyslexia children. It was like, it was definitely strong uh, at the the time when I was diagnosed. But then again, because of the work that my parents put in to try Mm. to help me with it, and kind of a little bit of self-discipline and hard work on your own account it helps you to like overcome it but you definitely need the help at that
0: stage you don't just like grow out of it if you don't have put the work no in you it. have to put in work there's yeah. no maybe you can you don't grow, grow out, of, out of, it. of
1: it but i just but I it, feel doesn't be, that
0: it doesn't wouldn't make sense to me like that if, yeah. if you if you didn't know it then it doesn't matter, mean like
1: it automatically comes easier Cause you're a bit older yeah because i saw people who had dyslexia and didn't put the work in and i kind of know where they are right now and they're not where i am so yeah. <laughs> let's put it that way and then yeah then you have a primary dyslexia if the dyslexia results from a ge- genetically inherited condition, it is considered primary dyslexia. A child whose parents have dyslexia increases the chance that they will have uh, also dyslexia. Interestingly enough, primary dyslexia seems to have a familial connection with even more prevalence among males, especially left-handed ones. Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Secondary dyslexia is, a re- is the result of problems with brain development during the early stages of pregnancy. Both primary and secondary dyslexia are developmental because disability is present at birth. But right. these are just the minute differences uh, that probably psychologists and clinicians like to put on, uh, on labels on things and categorize them even more and more. And lastly you have the acquired dyslexia when the traumatic brain injury or disease affects the brain's brain center responsible for language processing they can sometimes develop dyslexia this type of dyslexia is also referred to as trauma dyslexia because it is caused by trauma to the brain and is the only type of dyslexia with a known cause right so that's when you when you and that could happen at any age I suppose as long as you experience like uh, a a strong trauma to the head in the mm. and that affects the the region of the brain that has most to do with like language and and language processing, then yeah. then sure okay. you you are at, at at risk there. You know. So let's let's talk about prevalence because it's always nice to know how many of of uh, my people is out there. <laughs> yeah. My people. But it's again a, a, any and anything with dyslexia th- that I've seen so far is not straightforward. Everything is tricky or mm. uh, foggy. So samples of poor readers are a mixture of individuals whose reading is consistent or expected based on their performance in other academic areas in language and individuals with dyslexia whose reading is not consistent with expected, would ex- uh, what's expected based on other performances. So basically, I think it's like... You have a lazy people well lazy let's <laughs> lazy. not put a label on but you have people who are just are not ah. acad- a- academically gifted yeah or and this is also reflected in this in the way that they might not be the best readers or you know comprehensive readers they just yeah they're just not academically gifted and that's okay yeah, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you have necessary dyslexia because what is seen with the dyslexic dyslexic people is that they might have a like problem like i did with following the grammar rules and and this and that, but if you look at generally at the other grades and how I perform otherwise uh, at school, you did you, okay. Yeah, you did. I did okay. I people would expect that actually my grades would be even lower based on how I read and 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 write. Yeah, but yeah. Again, not writing, not creative writing, writing following the grammar rules. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's like one of the differences
0: that. Like, it's, you know, so it's really hard to know if it's like these people are just not that smart maybe, they're yeah. just lazy and just want to learn compared to people who want to learn, but just cannot, yeah. it just doesn't make sense to them.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so some sources say that the prevalence is a, is nine to 12% of the population, oh. of which two to four of the population can be seriously affected by it. But uh, people, like, people like Professor Richard, Wagner from the Florida University. Yeah. Uh, he, he argues that there is no single prevalence estimate uh, that is correct, but rather that there is a distribution of prevalence as a function of severity. Right? So that's, that's rather than just having a number on dyslexic, yeah, people. Yeah. he says it, it, it kind of it's mobile based on how severely you're affected by it, which is like a different take. And mm. psychologists and experts in the field of dyslexia agree that the core feature of dyslexia is the concept of unexpectedness, something that I have experienced myself that I uh, already said. And a good way to measure this is a difference between listening and reading comprehension levels, as it was taught. But again, our friend Professor Wagner did not agree, as he believes no single indicator model will have sufficient variability. A discrepancy between listening and reading comprehension could serves as a proxy for dyslexia to be useful for studying prevalence at the population level but not sufficient for identification at the level of the individual because that also comes into a little bit into like uh, being able to tell who might have a dyslexia and and not like a diagnosis kind of a kind of a thing so it's just so, kind of just to have a vague it's a vague yeah, it's idea. nice to have a, a rough... vague idea uh, not even like worldwide but I would even go more specific into like a district-wise. You know yeah. how many dyslectic children is in your school district, Yeah. and how you can adjust, uh, how you can make the school a little bit more comfortable for them. Um, so they, t- I don't think they need like to be treated like a porcelain, like porcelain, uh, yeah, yeah, glass or anything like that. They just, I think all we need is just to have a, a fair shot at, at it from the same uh, from the same level. Like, but you, you do know? need. Like I think they do need additional help. Like I think in our
0: school, like people who had dyslexia, they needed a uh, special assistance. Like
1: yeah, I had a uh, I had I could have had a read I could have had a reader for my exams. Yeah, I had extra time to finish my exam. Oh, and oh I-
0: actually, I think it was more in primary school for us. So it'd be like not in secondary school. So in primary school, if the kid had dyslexia, I think there was one kid in our school mm. class now, and she was a a special assistant for this to try and help them, give them additional help. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah, think at that stage is more, is very important.
1: Yeah, it is. Although, again, a personal note, I felt so ashamed of it. Okay. I uh, I refused to, uh, I refused to do my exams in a different room and I refused to do, to have uh, someone who reads out the questions to me and stuff like that. <laughs> I just couldn't, it was too, um, but what, where, but what but why is it just like why is it in common from like
0: why is it just like you didn't want to be seen as different yeah
1: basically and yeah. i didn't want to i didn't want people to think that whatever my achievements were they were okay. i um, achieved them because it was oops. easier for me than to yeah. other people i all i always want to be like you, you had it hard to get where you are, and I had it hard to get yeah, where, where yeah. I am. It's not that you had an easy way. Help. It, um, yeah, I just, I hated that. I just couldn't. Ex- yeah, mm. I, I just couldn't. But do you think that's like most kids with dyslexia would be like that? No, I think it's very personal. Okay, thing. just depends. I, some, some, some kids with dyslexia or people with dyslexia, they were happy to hear that. Albert Einstein had a dyslexia and he was so smart, which is a lie, that's not true. But you know, they tell themselves these stories to make themselves feel better. I didn't need, I I never wanted that. I was always, if they can do it, I should be able to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, maybe not the healthiest way to be, but it worked for me. Yeah, like, <laughs> you are now, you are you yeah. are now maybe because of it. Maybe, but you know, I, but I also was tested for dyslexia. So I wonder, can you think about, what would be the test that people have to undergo? I was thinking
0: about that because I'm like you have to be able to distinguish between people who are genuinely have it and people who are just lazy Mm -hmm. or just not that academically gifted I suppose. I suppose you would just have to like grammar tests maths tests kind of like that. Um, Like I suppose you have to be clearly spelled out for the person to understand and yeah so that they know what what's going on and then i suppose that's the way you can kind of distinguish isn't it
1: i was still at the time when i was being tested they still did iq tests Oh, okay uh but i never find out my score (laughs) okay (laughs) i just got a report but you have a dyslexia that's Uh, so weird like (laughs) but now it's like a threshold of iq and like
0: okay well if you don't reach that then because like that's so not like a good way of
1: no now it is Now it is well known that i the your IQ doesn't overlap with whether you're dyslexic or not. No, and it shouldn't be seen like that. You know, having dyslexia doesn't mean that you have somehow men- mentally retarded. And and, and, it, and say like people with dyslexia could have a high IQ
0: as well. Like in they some, might, p- yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's a it's a bad way of
1: like trying to track it or yeah but i think like we, we're all learning from our mistakes and you know as yeah, I, yeah as i said the psychologists are working on it but i just give you a couple of tests so you have an understanding maybe what's being done yeah. so there is a test that assess phonological awareness a child's ability to isolate and work with sounds the ev- the evaluator mm. asks the child to blend sounds and to segment words for example your child might be asked to say what's left of the what's left of the word cat if you take out the first sound Oh, okay. So, and these tests would get um, increasingly more difficult depending on the age of the child that being tested. So it's like, for that example, it'd be at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I don't know how the tests look for a- adults, uh, but for children, it's like, they kind of trying to make them uh, appropriate for the age. And like, at this age, you should be, you should have, you should be able to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Another one is test that assess decoding. The child's ability to decode words quickly and accurately, it also tests the ability to recognize familial, familiar words. The evaluator has a child read aloud single word, single real words and pseudowords. Fake words look like real ones, but they have no meaning, such as "hif" or Meheron. Having to decode fake words tests a child's ability to apply rules of matching units of sounds to the written symbol in order to sound out the word. Isn't that mad? So they give them fake words to see if yeah. they can pronounce it. And sometimes, sometimes you just think that it is a word because it sounds like a word. And you, and but do they ask you if it's a word or not? Yeah, you have to be able to tell if it's a fake word or not a, or or not a fake word.
0: Right. But like, if you at so, that
1: age, would you not? you wouldn't be, sometimes you just wouldn't know. But see, I was, I was, but again, it's it's age appropriate testing. Okay. And you know they're not gonna give you like a word that is being used in colleges and try to like you know when you are like six nobody's gonna tell you like photosynthesis (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you know what I mean Uh, but again it it tests a child's ability to apply rules for matching units of sound to the written symbols in order to sound out the word another one is a a test that assesses reading fluency and comprehension so that's kind of self-explanatory. And tests that assess rapid naming—how quickly and easy a child can uh, name common letters, numbers, objects, and colors on a page—I remember doing that. This skill is linked to a reading fluency. The evalu- evaluator gives the child cards with rows that contains various e- various items there are different cards, some with letters, others with numbers, uh, and so on and so on. The child names these items as quickly as possible, starting at the top left and going row by row. The evaluator records how long it takes and how accurate it is. And uh, yeah, and basically that's that's then the... the, the they add up your scores and then you end up on this spectrum thing or whether you make the cutoff or you don't make the cutoff. How, how do you, do you remember how you, how you found it? Oh yeah, I definitely, uh, struggled. Oh, you, uh, you're asking if I struggled with it. With that test. Yeah. For me, uh, I remember it was numbers. So she, it was basically like calling out uh, a pie number it right. wasn't a pi number, but it was basically the same principle. Like yeah, yeah. she started with showing me, I think like f- five or six digits in the sequence, and then it was go was going higher, higher, higher. And at, at some point, I was like, "Look, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't know anymore." There was well, loads. Oh wait, like they were trying your test your memory, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of. I remember these tests, but they were like so long ago that it's kind of. Yeah. yeah. I just remember like a snapshots of what was happened, like what was being done, like definitely the reading and understanding of what I was reading, and loads of kind of tests to assess like my logical thinking as well, mm. for some reason, and uh, yeah, I still have my mom still has the original report when it was given back, and then. Uh, few years ago we were like sitting at christmas dinner table and i think my my little sister <laughs> found out that report <laughs> and she read it in front of everyone at the table and it oh was so God. comically funny <laughs> like victoria is just the best like she's just so funny i i have to find this re- I, I read it to you sometime like yeah it's hilarious, like, but it was a brutal well, I was fairly dyslectic Like, yeah, okay. I was. Like, I was well in there. Like, it wasn't that I just had like my big toe over the over the line. Like, I was like f- fully immersed Full in it. F- yeah, that's it, that <laughs> No stopping me. <laughs> <laughs> but we can laugh about it now. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's go co- let's come back to the neurobiological origin because that could be interesting because if we have like a feature that we can identify in brains, then that would mm. make it so much easier, yeah, just to pinpoint these these children, uh, identify them and help them if if help is needed. Yeah.
0: The thing is it's like what even like as you meant there's environmental factors, it's like it seems like it'd be so difficult to identify, because it's so broad. Like, there's severe, there's not so severe, so... But, like, once you
1: have a marker... If you can find any marker, I suppose, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, That's what makes it easier. So, on the neurobiological origin, there is an ongoing argument whether dyslexia should be seen as a brain being weird, wired differently, due to the environmental and genetic causes, or whether it's a neurodevelopmental disorder, which sounds so much more uh, heavy, like you know, yeah. So this is especially important uh, to children if, uh, if you're because it makes a difference that you are told that your brain is just wired differently and it's just just works different compared to other children. Whether being told that, yeah, you have a neurodevelopmental disorder, Timmy. Good luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, So in the search for anatomical differences between the normal and dyslexic brain an area of brain called plenum temporale, which is located on each side of the, of the brain, right above your ears. Uh, so it's like a, it's, you have it on each side of your brain. Um, it is highly lateralized brain structure involved with language and with music. Uh, Planum temporale follows an asymmetric pattern larger in the left and then in the right hemisphere in about 60% of the general population. And when look at dyslectic children, only a subgroup, which is around 60% of dyslectic boys and minority, 33% of dyslexic girls, have a typical atypical plenum, plenum temporal asymmetry, therefore making it not an ideal anatomical marker for dyslexia. So that was like, that was the big one. Once they figure out that this is the region for like reading and music processing of the yeah. brain, and they assumed, Maybe the dyslexic is going to have a different... Uh, the, the, it's going to look different, but it's just, it's not definitive uh, mm. based on the research that is being, that has been done. Another approach is to use functional markers uh, using functional magnetic resonance imaging. This approach is plagued by similar similar limitation to anatomical studies, namely small sample size between different research studies and high variability in results presentation among the tested subjects. Yeah, that's what I so, think. Yeah. yeah. And the current state of evidence does not permit much confidence in declaring any pattern of differences as constituting the neuroanatomical signature of dyslexia. In particular, it is entirely plausible that each person has a distinct pattern of activation, which includes a few areas that are consistent across participants and several areas that are not shared with many other participants. So in a way, it could be, I don't want to call it a condition, but it could be very personalised mm. trait you know that um, maybe oh. no two dyslexic people are the same <laughs> yeah yeah, we yeah it's just...
0: it, but like yeah because it's the brain is a complex yeah b- organ so it's it's um, and especially for something like this like we yeah two dyslexic people can have
1: differences in how they struggle so yeah. and yeah exactly the severity could be it's a spectrum like you know and, uh, but, you know, things maybe like the uh, Neuralink that the engineers of Elon Musk are working mm-hmm. on, maybe once you have that completely mapped out, uh, yeah. that would put some light on it. But,
0: yeah. I let, wouldn't, uh, ho- wouldn't be so
1: optimistic about anything Elon Musk <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> over anymore. But that's what I said, his engineers <laughs> don't, yeah, you, don't give much. Too, too much credit than he deserves. Um, but let's look. let's look at the environmental factors. So, they are your usual like stress, maternal diet, lifestyle have been proposed as modulators of uh, genetic susceptibility via post-translational epigenetic interactions. So, your environment affects um, the uh, your epigenetic expression of genes. So, this is the contributing. So, this mm. is how the uh, environment affects you. So, you can't you can't escape epigenetics these days. Um, stress, stress itself seems to be a fundamental environmental factor that could lead to uh, dyslexia or influence dyslexia-related phenotypes, irrespective of the presence or absence of genetic mutations uh, in the key risk genes. In individuals with genetic mutations in dyslexia risk genes, stress may act epigenetically and affect brain plasticity, leading to more or less uh, profound phenotypes. But this would like tap at happen would have to happen
0: when you're very young for this to like. Yeah, it wouldn't. This happen like when you're an adult.
1: No, because that would fall into like the acquired dyslexia. Mm. Yeah. So this is all like early developmental stages when there's still brain plasticity going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe in utero events. Uh, you know when your mother is stressed. Mm-hmm. Um. The uh that causes some yeah in irreversible what it seems to be largely irreversible effect on your on on the way your brain is wired Mm. and when we talk about stress the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis comes to mind this axis is responsible to mediate the response to stress and mediate systemic homeostasis early life life stressful experiences are associated with the development of Uh, psychopathology due to their effect on early programming and the function of the HPA axis. Early life stress has also been associated with learning difficulties and neurodevelopmental disorders. Uh, The aerial in life and prolonged in duration the feelings of failure that children with dyslexia experiences, the more their ability to acquire specific learning or academic skills is affected. So that's kind of mad because it's kind of seems like it's a vicious wheel kind of a situation. So let's say you, you have been exposed in utero to stress because whatever your mother's behavior was, yeah, uh, whether it was de- deliberately harmful or not, it, that let's not blame the mother, right? They, yeah. they did nothing wrong. But it already has affected your brain. And then uh, you're being placed in school environment when uh, obviously the... It's a high-pressure environment. If you, especially if you want to be like a high-achiever student, at least yeah. it was, let's say, twenty years ago when I was uh, when I was in when I was in school, and like being constantly exposed to failures, academic failures, it causes uh, more stress. it's more stress, which feeds into the cycle, and then you also might feel a little bit shy and isolated from from your peers, who you know, mm. the especially if you're like a single dyslexic child. Uh, in the classroom but i don't think it happens anymore like that but that's no. the kind of um, that's how i remember it from like 20 years ago
0: yeah i think so, it's
1: just to kind of get
0: identify it and get support quickly yeah quicker yeah um to help people when their brain is more rigid or flexible yeah that they can no. find find ways of Ad- adapting and overcoming.
1: Yeah, and and work with like you know, language specialists or psychologists that are mm. on on in school that are available uh, yeah. to you. Growing evidence supports the role of epigenetic effect on early acute or chronic stress could be prenatal, perinatal, or and or adult social stress on neuroendocrine effectiveness, social behavior and cognitive ability. Environmental and psychosocial stress during critical developmental period could modulate gene expression via epigenetic modifications, as has been observed in neurodevelopmental disorders and putatively in learning deficits in dyslexia. So stress seems to be the driving factor. And now if we talk about uh, genetics, We're almost at the end here now, lads. Um, So, yeah, as you said, is dyslexia heritable? Different sources gives a range between 40 to 60 percent estimated heritability, whereas some quotes 40 to 80 percent. Identifying genetic risk factors not only aids increasing understanding of the biological mechanisms, but also expands diagnostic capabilities, facilitate early identification and individuals prone to dyslexia, and uh, co-occurring co- disorders for specific support. So in that specific paper from October that I mentioned at the start of the, uh, of this uh, part, um, the scientists there looked at the, there was the largest uh, dyslexia GWAS uh, study up to date, uh, genome-wide association studies with 51,800 adults, self-reported dyslexia diagnosis and uh, over 1 million controls okay all of whom uh our research participates with the personal genetic company 23 and Me. so they use the 23andme to, okay. sor- to source it as well uh previous studies linked linking dyslexia to specific genes have been done on small numbers or families and the evidence was unclear so you really now you can really appreciate what large uh genetic studies can can uncover like. yeah yeah uh, some of these are some of the genes as uh, discovered are associated with other neurodevelopmental conditions such as language delay and with thinking skills and academic achievements. Uh, so there is like some sort of overlap with these uh, genes. There, they 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 finding many mm-hmm. however uh, many of them however are novel and could represent genes that are more specifically associated with process essential for learning to read. So that is actually really good for dyslexia because if you get. Like a marker that would be really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, many of the genes associated with dyslexia are also associated with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Mm. Uh, a much smaller overlap of the genes associated with dyslexia was found for psychiatric uh, lifestyle and health conditions. So it's nice to see that dyslexia is not necessarily linked with like psych- psychiatric disorders. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of stands something uh, on its own. And the paper single out genes like AUTS2. It has been implicated in autism, intellectual disability, and dyslexia. Other known neurodevelopmental genes as TANC2, implicated in language delay and intellectual disability. And another one, GGNBP2, linked also to neurodevelopmental delay and autism. So without a the doubt, there, um, there, there is a genetic component to dyslexia. Uh, there is a, there, there is definitely a heritability component to dyslexia. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, they, they, are, they, they are identifying these loci, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy because as I have mentioned, these genes have also been seen in other, in other conditions. So maybe they are, they are just some important fundamental genes that need to function properly. And if something goes wrong in them, that can affect uh, in a different directions but uh yeah just more studies like that has to be done uh for these people because for our people because uh yeah i I've, i I've, i have a feeling that it's still not very well understood subject yeah. like we can yeah. deal with it on a on a personhood level but mole- molecularly and uh it's maybe not such a clear cut um, mm. uh topic uh, th- this paper focuses on uh, variants in genes. So we're talking here about p- substitutions, maybe some, uh, yeah, mostly substitutions that they were discussing in this paper. But, you know, there uh, we already mentioned like epigenetic uh, influence on gene expression, but there's also loads of non-coding RNA, uh, different parents. regulatory mechanism that, ex- that uh, help to express the genes. Um, that could also have uh, have an effect, which was not uh, looked in that particular paper because it was the report on the GWAS studies. So, understandably, yeah. but I think there is loads of avenues uh, that still have to be uh, discovered, uh, both at the um, cellular and molecular level. If you want to really get like the pathophysiology of dyslexia of what is happening, especially if it's true that each patient is not the same, then you really you yeah. have to put in the work. If it comes to the therapy, I don't think we need like a gene treatment for no, dyslexia. I don't, uh, I, it's I mostly, don't think it would yeah, be necessary. I don't think it's necessary. I it is mostly uh creating a supportive environment and uh definitely having supportive like parents like I like I did, mm. that really helps because it is completely understandable that if you have a parents that want you to achieve and you don't, they can just double down on you rather than you know being supportive. But yeah. you just you just have to understand that dyslexia uh, exists. It's not a disease. It's not a condition. It's just your brain is wired differently, and you just yeah. you just need that um, different approach. You, you just need a bit more support
0: and help. Yeah, yeah, um, and like it's more like just the typical
1: school system wouldn't. Yeah, isn't catered for these type of people. See, I even have a problem with people saying that, like, we need more support and help. I just, because that, oh, really? That makes me feel like there is something wrong with me. The way, no, I, I don't think that I know, I but th- like, it's in, but that's coming back again to the fact that I refuse to take my mm. exams separately. Like, the way I want to think about is like, we don't need extra help, it's just we need to diversify the way these kids are being taught because the way that works for non-dyslexic it does not doesn't mean that it necessarily works for dyslexic so let's not make it like this is a normal way and you doing it in the up you need abnormal way uh, to achieve let's just make this is a normal way of studying and this is also a normal way of studying studying it's yeah just but i think the di- way different. the way
0: the way the study the school systems are now they're not going to change unless you go to a specific special class that's made for these students they're not going to be able to adapt their learning for these people they're just going to do the if the easier thing is just do the normal train of learning and then give the the person who struggles the additional support like it's not that's not the right way of doing it but like it's just the way they're going to obviously find it to yeah make it easier for themselves so um i just think it's like well you can give the support early like i think you're a bit of a freak of, of a case because you're so motivated and determined whereas i think other p- students be like get overwhelmed and be like give up like what's the point I'm, i can't do this and yeah. i think that's where it's important to have someone to step in and be like look you can do it. we can just make it easier break it down for you to understand so
1: yeah unfortunately all of this is just hard work there's no a magic pill there's no you can you can't go you can't go for a like ps- psilocybin recess and then come back <laughs> without dyslexia it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't work like that but yeah for me it was a hard work and the support of my parents really and that got me through and maybe trying to cancel out the noise when people are calling you names <laughs> and stuff like that you know that's yeah, never, yeah. that's never mm. nice yeah, yeah so, so that, was, uh, that was my take on dyslexia uh,
0: but uh, the last question i was going to ask mm-hmm. was um do so you never think they'll be able to introduce like uh just say the query: um, dyslexia in a ki- child. They would they couldn't do it for a blood test. It still would need to
1: be psychological assessment. Or I think so because it all comes out in the wash, you know. Yeah. Like when when you do things, that that's when it's really really evident. But other you'd, than you'd have to do deep deep molecular work, really. Yeah, and want to, for, it. for the sake of understanding, I. I I see a point of it. Well, like no, just for your own scientific curiosity. How does I can see the point of it? But I don't think it's gonna lead to like development of treatment. And because we don't need to be treated, like we we function fine. So Mm -hmm. I don't I don't even see it as a disease. It is it is registered as a dyslexia is registered as a disease. But but because but it has to be done that way so that school can recognize it as mm. something that needs needs extra, this these children needs extra support, because otherwise, yeah. it would be just like, yeah, it just like, on what basis would these kids require a support if it's not registered as a disease, but in the same way, these these children, they don't have a condition, but like, for the sake of argument, uh, it had to be registered as a as a condition as a disease, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. But I don't think we need a genetic treatment. I still think it would be interesting to understand how it happens and exactly why why it happens but that's um, that that's, that would probably be a research that is very hard to fund because you you don't really you're not going to be able to get a treatment at the end of it yeah. so there's no yeah. the
0: way of making money off it yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, um, I don't know. Do you have any other questions about this lexa Because we're never talking about this again. <laughs> it's too traumatic.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because you never really got, have went into it in detail before, so it's obviously something that's very private for you. A um, and you don't. I I definitely understand that. Who and the type of person you are, you don't like to let, or don't it, to l- let people assume that you're getting special treatment or special help. Yeah, and it, in a way, diminish what you've actually done. So that's, the that's why you. Just, so that's why you just don't talk about it in general, so that you don't get people that that idea. Um. So yeah. It, it, yeah, like I, I do think it's. I, I hope anyone listening can, I uh, can relate to what you're saying, and um, yeah. It's it's interesting. Like there's no one tailored approach, but I just think I know you don't agree. But I think giving the support, giving the help early, early in identification of and diagnosing. I as well suppose as, would you say diagnosing of dyslexia? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, d- I, I think, think that's so. that's just, that's the important thing. And um, who knows? Like, w- there there could be ways down the line. I think it's just. I think that with dyslexia, it's just it's because the way in schools kids are taught that's why they struggle. Whereas in other environments, they won't struggle at all. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they're in creativeness or like building, yeah. like they, they would never struggle. Well, maybe with the maybe calculation stuff, but they wouldn't really struggle with that kind of side. So that's just this this is the way society is built that this is these these people are um they struggle, but they might struggle in other environments. So I suppose um that that's just like so it's not really uh a disability or a, a limitation it's just in this specific environment it's a struggle yeah. yeah um but like uh so that's why i'm just like yeah hopefully that uh, it, i wouldn't think it needs to be treated as, as such but like not. just to give the awareness and the support
1: um and yeah that's yeah, all you, i have to say <laughs> you just at the end of the day especially in school you just want to um yeah have the equal opportunities opportunities yeah. to get your to everyone your college place fairness yeah, yeah. yeah fairness yeah yeah, yeah. okay quality of opportunities
0: not of yes outcomes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for that tom that was not no really interested i think it was really topical as we said the dyslexia awareness a week yeah if you want to find out more please look it up um yeah. and uh yeah please set it, spread awareness um, yeah with, with with friends and all that um so yeah that was today's episode um again just to give a recap i Give a brief overview of the um, psilocybin for depression. Octopuses love throwing things at each other. Sperm (laughs) rates declining, and Tom give a lovely overview of dyslexia, what it is, yeah, um, his personal experiences, and as well like just the the uh, factors that are important in, I suppose, developing dyslexia. That was very well said, Evan. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I'm, l- I'm getting better at my summarizing. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to try. I'm going to try and get one more in before Christmas. What do you think? Yeah, I think it would be worth it. Yeah, and yeah. So we'll 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 have one. before I know a month from now is the end of December. But I think we're going to publish before Christmas. Because you you, obviously you want to listen to something when you're traveling home, wherever you're going. Of course. Can't let
1: you miss out. So no. we'll, we'll have an episode in before then. I definitely will talk about fake meat. I mean, not okay. fake meat, the lab meat. That's, I'm fascinated. Lab meat,
0: okay. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. Have a great day wherever you are. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will talk to you again.
1: Yeah, stay skeptical. Bye. Bye.